topics that I've really enjoyed preaching on, and I went over a couple of those last week, but one that I didn't really mention last week is uh, as we search the scriptures and look into the Word of God concerning the ways, the ways of God. And so if you would turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 55 verse 8. Isaiah 55 verse 8. And as I was praying about what to preach this week and this morning, I uh, was thinking about um, Pastor Will and his family uh, going to be here for their first Sunday. And the Lord just seemed to direct me back to this verse. And I think it applies so well to the circumstances and the situation that y'all have been facing over the last six months. And it affects all of us. It affects all of us as a church. And the scripture is very clear. Verse 8, chapter 55, the book of Isaiah. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Let's, let's see if the Lord will encourage us today from his word concerning his ways and not our ways. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the power of the word of God. We want to thank you for the authority of the word of God. We want to thank you for the perfection of the word of God. And we just thank you for the word of God. It is food for our souls. And I pray that you would feed us today, help us to be encouraged today, help us to begin to see even further insights into your ways and how absolutely opposite many times your ways are to our ways, our plans. And so I pray that you would speak to us and encourage us and help us to really finish out this morning with gratitude that we can depend on you to lead us in your ways as we submit to you. In Jesus' most wonderful and precious name we pray. Amen. So, as I've already mentioned, the idea of looking into the Scripture concerning the ways of God has been something that has intrigued me for many, many years. And I just want to say at the very beginning, for all you scholars that are so wise in the Word of God, when you figure this one out, please come see me. When you, when you, when you say, I, I've got it totally figured out, and I've got it all worked out, and I know all there is to know about God's ways, you just come see me because I really want to hear what you've got to say. Because I'm going to tell you what, I've been scratching my head on this for years. And about the time I think I get close, then the Lord says, now here's another bend in the road, a turn that you didn't expect. 
the ways of God, so opposite to the way we think normally. And that's a struggle because we, we are wrapped up in humanity, and as we go through life, we have to battle not thinking the way we want to think or the way we think we ought to think, but allowing the Lord to completely change our view of things. And, and I'm confident this is one of the reasons I believe that the prosperity gospel is so popular because it has a tendency to feed what people want to hear. And, and, and if, we, if we hear what God has to say about our lives and our lifestyle and our, and, and our direction of life, it's going to be many times opposite to what we think we ought to be getting in life. So, you know, I've been in, in a lot of prayer meetings. You can imagine in all these years, I've heard a lot of people pray. But I can't remember ever hearing anyone pray, Lord, send me some more trials. Lord, I, 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 I'll do better if I had more. Or I, I'm, I'm not being persecuted quite enough, Lord. Or a couple of years back, Lord, I pray the government would clamp down on the church. I pray that the, the government would clamp down on the church because we're going to be stronger and better for it. I haven't heard people pray like that. In fact, it's just basically the opposite. Lord, take away my pain. Take away the sickness. Take away my hurt. Take away my affliction. I've very rarely, and it's in extreme situations, but I've very rarely heard anybody pray for their loved one to go ahead and die. But I mean, that, that has come up, and it does come up when they're in such pain and there's so, so, so much agony, and I, I do know that that does happen. But no wonder that the third John verse is popular and misunderstood. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. People take that. And I've, I, for years, I've heard people preach that and teach that, that that's what God's plan is for your life. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to be in good, excellent health. So eat your barley green and take your vitamins and... Um, so you'll prosper and you'll be in good health. It's easy to take that bait because we are humans. It is easy to take that bait because we do, we do want to avoid as much pain and hurt as possible in life. So we pray for God's blessings. And that's okay. We, we should. But even, even this, and y'all probably noticed this. And I think we have the most recent uh, application on the sheet that I was just given. I just saw it um, in churches. Now, this is our fifth church to pastor. OK, we've pastored five churches starting in 1975. 
And this has kind of been the norm of what just about every church has experienced. We may be the exception to that rule. But if offerings are down, God is not blessing the church. If attendance drops, the Lord is not blessing the church. And so that's a mentality that's, you know, in fact, it's kind of like if the offering dropped, then there's got to be something wrong and there's got to be trouble in the camp. And that's and that's kind of the mentality and the thinking that we've experienced in some of the past churches. So when the offering goes down, we ought to be looking at it like this is a wonderful opportunity to trust God and see what God is going to do with an impossible situation. Because did you ever hear that nothing's impossible with God? Nothing. So I would say in application to our day-to-day and looking at it on paper kind of day, it kind of looks like an impossible situation that we could be facing. But if we look at it from God's perspective, this is just an opportunity for us to trust God. And folks, I hope you'll stick around just to see how God works a miracle in this situation. Because I believe he's going to. I believe he's going to. And that's not just hype. Or that's not just being, a, you know, a pep rally. <clears throat> I really believe that. <clears throat> I believe it. I've, I've believed it from the beginning. And I've seen God. I've watched God year after year after year work the impossible. You're sitting in a building. Many of you were not here when that building was, this building was built. <clears throat> but, but we started a, a building fund it took us 12 years to save the money because we were committed to paying cash for the building. We did not want to go into debt for the building. It took 12 years. And even my, our beloved brother Strawhall, he was a dear friend of ours. He was kind of on the building planning committee. And it went on and on. It took 12 years to build the building, and, and Mr. Strawhall one day, I never forget it, I just loved the man, we, we had a great relationship, but he just got up in the meeting and said, I'm out of here, this is taking way too long, I think we ought to go ahead and borrow the money and let's get this building. And we said, well, Brother Strawhall, we, we're committed to paying cash. And we waited and waited and waited and waited 12 years. But I'm telling you what, I'm so glad we don't have a, a debt today, aren't you? <laughs> I'm sure we wouldn't even be thinking about what we're thinking right now. <clears throat> so we do battle our humanity. We do struggle with earthly wisdom. And it is difficult at times, like so many in Scripture, battled what they saw and what, they, what things looked like to them. And I, again, go back to the 12 spies at Kadesh Barnea. The 12 spies, and this is the beauty of knowing the Scripture and understanding. 
Canaan was God's will. It was God's will for Israel. But the 12 spies go in to spy out the land. And what was the result of the majority rule? What was the result? 10 to 2. <laughs> well, they said it is a good land. It is flowing with milk and honey. And look at the produce. But there are giants over there. There are And listen, we need to get in the, we, we need to begin to understand that God is the giant slayer. And so <clears throat> there are giants over there. They make us look like grasshoppers in our sight. Let me, let me just show you. That's just one example. Let me show you another. Turn in your, in your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> and we're talking about the opposite ways of God, how God is, his, his ways are so opposite and different than our ways. Matthew chapter 5. Let's look at beginning in verse 38. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, just a slight pause. Um, just a slight pause. And, and I shared this here not long ago, and I never shared it before. But I was in a situation with, a, with a, a person, and they literally, in this communication, they literally slapped me in the face. I mean, it, it actually happened. And I mean, you know, my police training almost came out, <laughs> and then my Christianity took over, and I said, well, the Lord says... If you smite me on my left cheek, turn them the other cheek also. And I did. And they haul off and hit me in the other cheek. I, I'm serious. I mean, we're not talking about just a love. I mean, we were, bam, right upside the head. And it was really all, I mean, you know, I was, I was at the point I was ready to start asking forgiveness for my actions. But by God's grace, I was able to take that. But... But I took it literally. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the left, the other also. Verse 40, if any man will sue thee at law and take thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. That was the, the Roman law. It was required. If the, if the soldier came by and he had his pack, it was the requirement of the law that you would carry his pack for a mile. They had mile markers. And so Jesus said, don't drop the pack at the first mile. Go with him another mile, the extra mile. And it's a way to testify, a way to show the difference in Christianity. Now this one, this for, number 42, give to him that asketh thee uh, and from him that would borrow of thee 
turn not thou away. Let me tell you real quickly, I don't think I've ever told this story, but it's true. Lynn and I were uh, fairly newlyweds, hadn't been married a long, long time. We were living in a house in Fairmont Park in LaPorte, and I was a growing, I was on the police department, but I was a growing Christian. Linda was much deeper in the word. She had gotten saved at eight, and I'd got saved in boot camp. So I was really, so I was reading the scriptures on a regular basis, and I came across this verse. And from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Well, there are just certain things that I don't think you ought to borrow. And one of them was my brand new edger. And I was out edging, you know, my little T90 little yard, edging the sidewalk, brand spanking new edger. And the neighbor came across and said, hey, my edger's broken down. Would you mind if I borrow it? And man, I'm going to tell you what, I just, I struggled. I thought, I just don't loan certain things and my edger, my new edger's one of them. <clears throat> So the scripture came to my mind. So I said, okay, you can borrow it. Well, long story short, he never did go. As far as I can remember, he never did go get another edger. He borrowed my edger every week when he was doing his lawn. And I, I was looking for the exception to that rule, but I, I just couldn't find it. But, but God was teaching me a lesson in that. As a, as a relatively young, growing Christian. So the opposite, we hold on, God says, let go. Verse 43, ye have heard that it hath been said that thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. What? Bless them that curse you. Bless them that curse you. And do good to them that hate you. And pray. Pray. We got to pray for them too. I mean, after all this other stuff, I've still got to pray for them. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I'll pray for them. <laughs> I'll pray for them. God, teach them a lesson. Sick them, God. I mean, you know, come on. I mean, but this is just, we've got, I'm trying to use these scriptures to show us how opposite God's ways are than our ways. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Love my enemies. I've got to love them. And those that despitefully use you and persecute you, yes. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren... Only what do ye more than others do not even the publicans so? And I'm going to tell you, if you say, well, that's just easy. That's a piece of cake. I'm not sure that I believe you. 
because this goes against everything that we're used to doing and how we conduct our lives because we are so wrapped up in humanity. We are human beings. And the Christian life is totally opposite. And we need to understand that our thinking has to change as we grow and mature and we receive God's grace. We've got to begin to let Him change the way we see things in life. I mean, let's take Pastor Will and his family real quickly. Everything's just going along hunky-dory. And then we come along. And we pray and we seek and we search and we investigate and we question and we pray some more. And, and God issues a call. And he's got to make a decision to, to follow the call or not. And no one would have thought less of him if he would have said no. No one would have said, oh, he's unspiritual. No, we would have understood but I think the miraculous thing about all this is things were going well. He had really been established by God in his role as senior pastor and even being recognized by others, pastors and uh, speaking opportunities that would be coming up. And, and all of a sudden you're going to leave all of that? Going to leave that security and that that comfort behind to come to something that appears to be on paper very impossible. But you see, it doesn't surprise me that he said yes. It doesn't surprise me that they said yes. Because when people walk with God, there are times they make decisions that are totally opposite than the most of us would think. And when you follow the Lord, it's not always comfortable. It's not always convenient. And it's not always easy. But nothing is impossible. Now, let me, and I've used this illustration. There are not illustrations, just this fact in the past before. But it's important that we understand that there, our society, and even in the churches, there's so much of the thinking that's changing uh, as we go through life. I, I, I pointed this out several years ago, that 50 years ago, you would never see a woman's name as the pastor of a church on a, on a sign. But today, it's becoming more and more common. And so... Uh, and, and there were some exceptions in some of the Pentecostal. I did, uh, I did research and found out that there were some exceptions back then. But, but in the 1970s, growth in the women's ordinations just started spiraling and exploding. And the, and the world would continue to say, elevate no matter what the scripture says, no matter what the Bible teaches, go against that and, and try to come up with an angle to make it fit society's view. But let's go ahead, and that's what they're saying, is going ahead and ordaining pastor, women pastors. 
and denominations have accepted it. Denominations are splitting and churches are being removed from membership of certain denominations over it. And it's just incredible in our lifetime what we're seeing, the changes in just that one area. That was not even a possibility years ago. And then the most staggering thing that we're facing. To, well, let me let me just let me go back. I'm sorry. Let me go back to 1 Corinthians 14, uh, the scripture. And I listened to uh, John MacArthur's uh, message that he had on women in the church and women's role in the church. And I noticed he is such an in-depth preacher. I mean, he, he, he just, but he just kept reading the same scripture. Let your women keep silent in the churches. Let your women keep silent in the churches. Let your women keep silent in the churches. It's not permitted for them to speak in the church. And he just kept reading that over and over. And he said, this is what the scripture says. 1 Corinthians 14, 34. And if they have questions, let them ask their husbands at home. And then in 1 Timothy, the second chapter, 11 and 12, the women are to learn in silence. And a woman is not to teach or usurp authority over a man, but to be in silence. That's 1 Timothy, uh, the second chapter, 11 and 12. Over and over and over. So what are we seeing in the churches today? We're seeing excuses made. We're seeing exceptions made. And we're seeing people that are supposedly born-again believers adopting and accepting what the world and society is saying about women's role in the church. But then, to me, I mean, it's all troubling, but then this gender thing is really getting out of control. And so I think in, in the days ahead, the church is going to have to be very, very clear. And it's, it's really, really kind of simple, isn't it? God made male and female. And you can go to all kind of doctors and take all kind of different drugs and try to change what God made, but you're still the same. Whatever God made you, that's what you are. If he made you a man, he made, he made you a man. If he made you a woman, he made you a woman. But there's a lot of pressure on school children today in public school systems to have their minds changed and minds corrupted with this wretched immorality and wickedness that is straight from the very pit of hell. And it is amazing to me that people can try to change it and justify their change other, other exceptions, um, submission in the workplace. You know, I told you all about this, that Skip Smith had throat surgery, and so he needed to fill in preacher for about six weeks. So I was able to get away from where I was, what I was doing at the time preaching, and I was able to step aside from that pulpit and go to his pulpit. But I preached a series of sermons on why Christians should never go on strike. Well, his church was full of union workers. And, and Pastor uh, 
Skip Smith got me off to the side and he said, man, you have stirred up a hornet's nest. Of course, he was, he was, wasn't, he couldn't talk very well. He was like, you have really stirred up a hornet's nest. But I mean, I just, you know, the scripture is clear. We're to submit. We're to submit to those that have authority over us. Be subject to those, even if they're froward, the Bible says, even if they're unjust, even if they're cruel, it is a testimony. It's, it brings glory to God when we suffer wrongfully, the scripture says. And that's the same in a home. And uh, we, we, as humans, we try to demand our rights. I've, I've got to have my rights. And then you take salvation as another example. Salvation is a free gift. But people are distorting and trying to rearrange Scripture. And, they, and if you're not careful, you have to be careful as we go through that when people present certain doctrines that you don't see the underlying behind the, the doctrine. It, it can be work salvation. There's a lot of, lot of doctrines that the bottom line, when you really get down and peel back the layers, it boils down to works, salvation. And we believe that the Bible teaches that salvation is a free gift. And you can't work for it. You can't earn it. And once you get it, guess what? You can't do anything to lose it. So it's, it's just the, the Bible is full suffering. We're to rejoice when we suffer. Uh, trying to live the good Christian life. And, I, and I've, we really do try, don't we? we? We really work hard to be salt and light. And we want to be everything God wants us to be. And what did I get for it? He sends fiery trials. And I'm thinking, Lord, what is going on here? We've tried to be everything you've called us to be, obey everything you've called us to obey. And what do we get for, for our good Christian behavior? Fiery trials. And so just be aware, be alert to the different situations that God allows to come into our lives. He says, if you live a godly life, guess what? You will suffer persecution. Unconditional love. We've gone over that one in the last few weeks. Unconditional love. By this, by the way we love each other, I believe the scripture is teaching, by this shall all men know that we are his disciples. By the way we love each other, by the way we forgive each other, by the way we walk by faith and not by sight. And then death. And then death. My wife's uncle passed away yesterday. We had been told he may not have long to live, and he passed away yesterday about 6.30 yesterday evening. Others, we have heard, have passed away. And then what can you do for a, in the life of a believer? And it is sad, and we do mourn, and we do weep, and we do cry, and that's so very normal. But we have to come back to the Scripture. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? 
But thanks be to God, which giveth the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is risen. He's risen indeed. And because of his victory over the death, hell, and the grave, we can face death. It doesn't mean it will be without tears. It doesn't mean that there won't be pain. It doesn't mean that there won't be sadness. And a time to regroup and allow the Lord to minister and comfort and bring comfort that only he can. But you can get through it as the Lord takes us through the most difficult times in our lives. And we are all going to face that. Well, the scripture also says, if we want to be a disciple, it's like you almost hate your family. And that's not, I mean, don't, people have tried to make it say that, well, if you're a disciple, then you're supposed to hate your family. That's not what it means. But your love, nothing is elevated your family's not elevated. Your position in life, your own life is not elevated above that of Jesus Christ. Your love for him is the highest love that you have. So if we want to be his disciples, we're going to follow him. And yes, it's not going to make sense a lot of times. And yes, it's going to be, it will be hard to say goodbye from time to time. And it has been. And we understand that. And we, 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 Pray for those that have had to say goodbye. But we look forward with anticipation of what God is going to do. And the new day that God is bringing in the life of our church. Because we have seen a living example of doing just the opposite of what many of us would have done. And we have the privilege of being able to live it out with this family, the Swim family, and to be there and be an encouragement and to be there to pray and to encourage and to be a part. We can be a participant of what God is going to do in this church and see what God is going to accomplish and what he's going to do. In, he's, he's, I can just tell you right now, he's not a perfect man. So if anybody has that in your mind, you might as well get rid of it the first day because he's not perfect. And this is what you're going to find out, that he's a human being just like the rest of us. But I'm going to tell you what, this family has encouraged my heart because they have been given an opportunity to say yes or no to the call of God. They have said yes, and I believe it's totally opposite of what many of us would have done or chosen if we were in the same situation. But we get to be a part of seeing God do something very, very special in their lives and using them in a way that God in his sovereignty knows how best Pastor Will Swim is going to encourage our church. I look forward to those days. I appreciate their willingness to follow the Lord and leave everything behind of comfort and convenience and family. I, I appreciate that more than we can imagine, but I anticipate and I look forward to what God is going to do in the future at North Belt Baptist Church. And we should be thankful to be able to be a part of this and to see 
God has done some miraculous things. You're sitting in one of them right now. This is a miraculous building, and it took a long time to get it. But let's pray that God will continue to confirm, continue to encourage, and continue to use men of God to carry out His work and His will. And bless y'all. Bless y'all so much. We're so excited. And I can't imagine the exhaustion that you feel right now. I can't imagine what that's like. And, uh, but we know the Lord does. And so thank y'all for being obedient to the Lord. And we, we want to do our part to see God make y'all successful and see God work a miracle at North Belt Baptist Church. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the encouragement from the word of God today as we think about how different your ways are, your, the way you operate, the way you think, the commands that you've given us are so opposite. We're to love our enemies. We're to pray for those that despitefully use us and persecute us. Lord, some of these things are so hard. Some of these things are so challenging. And I pray, Lord, that today you would speak to our hearts. You'd prepare us for the future, for the days ahead, for the miracles ahead, and that we would celebrate what you're doing, not what a man has done, but what you're doing. And we'll be careful to give you all of the praise and all of the glory for what you're going to do in the days ahead in this church. Pray for those that are lost, that you would help them to see their need for a Savior, to be saved as soon as possible. And I pray your comfort to those that have lost loved ones and they're hurting. They're home today, hurting, they're hurting, their family's hurting, they're in pain. And I pray that you would bring comfort to them. Help us, Lord, to just trust you in the midst of impossibilities. And one day at the end of our journey, we could look back and say, oh, it was so wonderful to see the hand of God working out miracle after miracle after miracle. We trust you, Father. We commit this church. We commit this ministry to you that you would be glorified and you would be honored. In Jesus' most wonderful and precious name we pray. Amen.